Well, it's that time of the week when I can shut up and let John McGinley do all the talking. And we've got plenty to chat about today because, officially, John, the season is underway today, not in terms of actually what's happening on the pitch, but this is where 67 Hail Hail draw the line. Season 2022-23 starts here. You may notice we've got new graphics. White is the new green, as far as we're concerned. The Premiership fixtures came out earlier as well. Um, which is obviously a, a key point in the summer as well. Do, do, do you like fixture day? Because I've got my, my thoughts on it as well. I didn't last season because I felt the first round of fixtures we got last year were a real real stinker for, for Ange and the team. I think this year's different. Looked at the fixtures today, immediately feeling optimistic, Hamish. Immediately feeling that looks pretty good for the first few months, aside from the busy schedule. But yeah, I, I do like fixture day. I think it brings a bit of excitement. You look at the landscape, you look at things that are ahead, you look at crucial weeks, you look at the, the double header cliche, you look at all sorts of things, the derby dates. Um, so I'm up for it. Yeah, I'm up for it today um, and happy to get stuck into this. I never really understand the fuss, to be honest. I mean, I get why people get excited, but I always think the it's great. You get to find out who you're going to play, but you don't get to play them for like five, six weeks. So I just, mm -hmm. I just don't really... I mean, the Champions League draw, I get really excited about that. I suppose that's similar in a way, but it's it's also a bit different. But I don't I don't really get the buzz. I mean, but at the time you'll be looking at the games around the Champions League games, like we know that yeah. for certain now. Um, as I say, we know the kind of the first six games of the season, which will be crucial. We know the first derby date. I mean, there's a lot of things that we could have kind of guessed before today. Um, but just as well, I'm here, Hamish, or everyone would be very depressed and bored right now. I was just talking yesterday about how I'm going to enjoy this season and I went on that big spiel and here I am a day later moaning about bloody fixtures coming out. Let's look at uh, Celtic's first six matches of the season. Six always seems to be the number people go for. I'm not really sure why that is. The big one there at the top, Flag Day, as I believe it's called, against Aberdeen. feel like we've not had a proper Flag Day in a wee while um, due to COVID and obviously actually not winning the league the season before last, but it is Aberdeen who will visit Celtic Park. I remember playing them on Flag Day about 10 years ago, um, first game of the season. Um, so that's always a good game when Aberdeen come, that should be good. And then you've got trips to, to Ross County and Kilmarnock, I would say pretty pretty tough looking trips in a way. I think Kilmarnock might be quite a tough one um, given, you know, the AstroTurf pitch and the fact that they are newly promoted. And then, you know, it doesn't really get much easier. In fact, it gets harder. Hearts at Celtic Park, Tannadice, and obviously the big derby there, well, sixth game in. Gets, gets a bit easier at the end there, Hamish, but apart from that, you're right. <laughs> no, in, all, in all seriousness, before I get into trouble and the, the hordes of commenters come from the other side of the city, I mean, I think that looks like a pretty okay first six for me. Like, it's not, you know, you're always going to get an away trip, a couple of away trips. I mean, the big thing for me compared to last season is that we're not going to Tynecastle in the first few weeks. We're not going to Ibrox in the first few weeks. We're not going to Livingston in the first few weeks. Those are the things that I look for. Those are those are tough games for Celtic, as we, we've seen in the past. So, um, although there are away trips there, as there's always going to be, I, I, I think it's a lot of bit kinder for us this year. There's a massive opportunity there, isn't there? Um, mm -hmm. it, it's 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 not going to be easy, but I think there's a chance that Celtic went to that first derby with five wins from five. I think that's a realistic possibility. This is just how our fixtures compare to Rangers in terms of the first round. Um, so obviously when, when we're at home, they're away. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this, and you might be able to tell me if this has always been the case, because I've got my doubts, but every team we play at home there 
they play away and vice versa. And then it'll obviously uh, you know, go the other way for, for fixture rounds two and three before the split. It was the same last season. I don't always remember it being like that. I think like years and years ago, you would possibly have us hosting Livingston and then they would host Livingston maybe a month later. Whereas now they seem to be doing it in a very specific way. And it, 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 it kind of leads to these real um, differences in fixture lists. I mean, you're talking, remember last season, we had to go to Tynecastle, Ibrox, Pitodre, Easter Road, Fir Park, Livingston, all in the first round of fixtures. And they had all those teams at home. And it's kind of the opposite this year. It's it's interesting the way they're doing it. Yeah, I mean, you would qualify by this this by saying like Ange isn't going to be really looking at their schedule but I think for us supporters we can have a bit more fun with it and I do think that their schedule in that first round of fixtures in the first 11 games is harder than ours I mean they're going to Livingston they're going to Hibs they've got to come to Celtic Park they're away to, they're going to Petodre they're going to Tynecastle they're going to Fir Park I mean I think objectively that's a tougher fixture list than we've got in the first 11 games and as you said it's a role reversal from last season so I do think you know, Celtic were playing catch-up from very early on last year, and I just can't see that situation happening again. I think Celtic will be well-primed to hit the ground running. Obviously, nothing's earned on paper. Every, you know, the team will have to work hard for every single point that's on the way, not suggesting we're going to steamroll these first 11 fixtures. But what I'm saying is that, at least compared to last year, both in terms of the, the way the squad is and just, just the fixture list in general, I do think um, we've got a good couple of months ahead, although... It is a busy schedule, as we know. I mean, we've got the Champions League games. We've got the kind of it's kind of um, hastened by the the World Cup as well. So it's all sandwiched into a, a much quicker period. I believe it's something like twenty three or twenty four games in one hundred and four days, Hamish, which is a game every four point three days. So Celtic are going to be very busy. We're going to be very busy. Supporters are going to be very busy emotionally and with excitement and all the the sort of wild ride along the way, especially when you consider that six of those games, a quarter of them, are going to come in the Champions League. I mean, it's what we all want. It's going to be an incredibly tense, exciting and and eventful few months before that World Cup break in November. Just going back to those fixtures, I'm sure if you look at their fixtures and those away games they've got, I think that's the exact six that we had at the start of last yeah. season in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, obviously it would be Ibrox rather than Celtic Park, but I'm sure it was Livingston, Hibs, Pitodre, Hearts and Motherwell. I mean, I, I think there's a massive opportunity, but as you say, Celtic will only be focusing on themselves. And in terms of our first 11 fixtures there, you know, I think I think the the, the kind of first chunk of them are, are the toughest ones. And, and actually what has been quite good is that we don't start the Champions League until after that first derby match. So we've got probably our toughest fixtures while we've got no other distractions. And then, as this graphic will show, you go into the Champions League there, just at the bottom of that first column, uh, 6th or 7th of September it starts. And I think those fixtures after the Champions League dates could have been a lot worse. You know, Livingston at home after the first match day, St Mirren away after the second one. You've got St Johnson away after the third. Hibs at home after the fourth, I always think a home game's crucial. The big one would probably be after, you know, match day five there when you've got Livingston away. And I actually think those final three games in October, and even if you extend it to that Champions League match day six on the first and second of November, that those four games in a row are really, really challenging matches. Um, I mean, that's that's a major point in the season for me. Tynecastle, Champions League, Tony Macaroni, Champions League. But again, it's something that you relish, John. 
Yeah, no, I, I, you do relish it, and these, this is almost the moment. These are the moments that Ange's whole reign at Celtic has almost been building up to. I mean, you look at that that first week in September when we're playing Rangers at home, and then we're playing in the Champions League, and I hope that first Champions League match is at home. I, I don't know if it will be or not. I don't know if there's fifty-fifty. Um, yeah, fifty-fifty. I don't know if the, the seedings determine that or anything. No, well, no. Ranger, Rangers at home in the third. And imagine we had a home Champions League on, on the 6th or 7th. Real Madrid. I mean, I mean, that week would just be huge. And and Ange's whole career has been building up towards that kind of moment. And I think Celtic are building towards this kind of moment where we get to really show what we're all about in massive games and a couple of competitions when all the eyes would be on Celtic Park. And I think you hit upon something at the start there of what you were talking about, Hamish, is that we play six games before we go into Europe. There's no qualifiers. Mm. We've got the whole of August just to focus on the league. And I think that is crucial. I mean, I think... Look, look at really the gaps. Crucial. Look at the gaps between those dates at the start of the season. There's like seven day gaps for most of them. Yeah. And I think that's a great, great thing. Um, and that's not what, you know, other teams across the league won't be in that situation. There's qualifiers happening all over. Rangers have qualifiers too. Our Champions League draw isn't even until two days before that Dundee United game. It's on the 25th of August, the draw. So there's a, there's a lot of time here, a lot of time to, to kind of get into it and for Ange to, and the team to kind of get rolling at the start of the season. We can't be cold, of course, but again, we've got those six games between July um, well, the the start of July and the end of July, six games to get prepared for it. Um, the teams are off for their break after international duty. I just have a feeling, and I know it's because I'm a Celtic supporter, but I just feel like this summer is all about Celtic at the moment. I mean, like Celtic are in full control of, of what's happening. There seems to be a really measured, kind of methodical way we're going about the transfer window. We've already brought in Car- Cameron Carter-Vickers. We've been linked with a couple of more players. It's just all incredibly exciting for me. And not exciting in the, in the sense that my heart is pumping the whole time. But just when you look at the situation overall and look at the big picture, the big picture is looking very rosy for Celtic at the moment. And again, I would say, you know, nothing is earned on paper. We can all talk about this. It's obviously up to the team to turn up on these occasions and get the job done. But they've done that so often over the last 12 months. Um, and especially since September in the league, you know, they've been incredible in domestic competition. So I think there's every reason to feel like we can really go about our business in, in that August, get, you know, 15, 18 points on the board very early on and then go into that Champions League group stage with real confidence, knowing that we've got that in the bag. Yeah, I mean, if you win your opening six league matches, then minimum three points clear of, of Rangers. Um, and, and I think possibly more given, you know, all the things there. I mean, the Champions League qualifiers... Are going to be huge for them and, and they've got a tough start to the season kind of the reverse from last season and we can just saunter in we can take on Aberdeen hopefully beat them and, and take it from there with no I just think you know I, I would love midweek games I, I would love it if Celtic played every single day because the channel would be buzzing I'd never have a shortage of things to talk about but from a from a fan's point of view taking the channel and obviously I'm a fan more than more than I love the channel um you're delighted to have you know midweeks off because we saw how beneficial that was to us at the end of the season. I just felt Celtic were were laser focused. They could put in all their effort into these weekend games, um, and I think that's going to be a massive part of the season. I just hope that I hope that we're we're ready for that Aberdeen game. I have no doubt that that we will be, but just because we don't have the qualifiers this time around, um, 
in, in that first match of the season, that first competitive match is in the league. It's, it's very different to what we've experienced in, in recent years. It's going to be strange watching all of these qualifying draws happening and, and Celtic's name not being in any of them. Yeah, I know. It is very strange. As as we've said before, it's the first summer we've not had qualifiers since um, 2008-9 season, Gordon Strachan's last season. Um, so it is a, it's a very new time for everyone. Just just in terms of Aberdeen on that first day, I think it's a good test for Celtic because I know they were really poor last season, but I feel like Aberdeen are in a bit of a rebuild. I, I would expect them to be better this coming season than they were last season. I think especially maybe boosted a little bit by the Calvin Ramsey money. They might make a couple of uh, strong signings that Goodwin really wants in his team. Um, so it's a good test for us on open day. I'm not saying... You know they're going to cause us too many problems, hopefully. And um, but I think it's a good a good wind up into to the thrust of the season after preseason. It's also a good game, isn't it? I mean, Celtic Aberdeen. It's it's a big game. I mean, you're never going to get Rangers on Flag Day. You could have got Hearts. I think we had them a few years ago. But Aberdeen's probably one of the best ones you could have got. I think they will have a decent support over for that one. New season, all of that stuff. It's a Sunday at four thirty, which I think's. A bit strange, yeah. but um, not not an ideal kickoff. But I think Celtic Park will still be full for that. Yeah, the, it's obviously being moved for TV coverage. Interesting for me that the the Sky announcement didn't go beyond the first weekend. All the fixtures yeah. announced were three pm on on a Saturday. There'll be a little bit of European draws to do with that in terms of which games they can move to the Sunday and the Saturday. That's all part of it. But I think after last season's disappointment, where they didn't take up their full quota of games. And there was a lot of away games that weren't on Sky. I think, you know, potentially five of those first six games of Celtic could be on Sky. And I think it is important for the away games because increasingly, you know, the, well, first of all, there's tens of thousands of season ticket holders who don't travel to every away game and rely on comprehensive coverage. Um, but also, there's no pay-per-view service this year. There's nothing like that anymore. I think that's all been done away with. Sky have the exclusive rights to every single match. Um, so clubs can't sell games. So if they don't cover a game away from home, essentially Celtic fans can't watch it. Um, there'll be no pay-per-view, nothing like that. Can't get tickets for them either. Can't, can't get tickets because, you know, tickets are becoming scarcer and scarcer, as we've seen. So the Mirren took the decision to cut their allocation last week after the consultation with supporters, which is their right to do, um, which is their right to do, but it does make it difficult. So I think it's really important that Sky this season at least take up their full quota of games and provide more comprehensive coverage of the league because I think you're wanting a broadcast partner. You know, it's not just about the money. You want them to be committed and invested in the product. Um, and hopefully, you know, that that is a bit better this season than it was last season because I, I know you did a couple of videos, but I, I did end up pretty disappointed with the, the level of coverage. Yeah. They're showing two games in the opening weekend. Is that right? Yeah. They're showing Livingston yeah. Rangers on the Saturday and, uh, and Celtic Aberdeen on the Sunday. The Premier League starts, I think, a week early this season. It's There's only one week of only Scottish Premiership action. I think the, the Premier League down south is in the 5th or 6th of August. So um, it will be interesting to see what, what Sky do with that. I, I agree totally, and, and that's really interesting. I didn't actually know that about the pay-per-view, that that was going completely. That just seems the most Scottish football thing ever, to, to lock fans out of games, watching games, and the broadcasters aren't even showing it. Yeah, I mean, there's a big push in Scottish football just now for to get supporters to the turnstile and understand that. And I think that's good. You know, they want people in the stadiums watching games um, and they're kind of made the, the rights more ex more exclusive over time in terms of reducing the number of matches that are on TV. I get that argument of it. 
But I think if you if if a broadcaster buys a quota of games, I think they should live up to that and provide that quota of games. So yeah, the the the, the pay per view services are going. The past the paradise service for for us season ticket holders is going. There's no more of that, and I get that from Celtic in the terms of they want all their season ticket holders in the building watching games. They don't want them. They don't want season tickets to buy. Don't want season ticket holders to buy a ticket and then watch at home. I know some people still can't get to games, or they might not be able to get to games for various reasons. Um, and a past the paradise option is nice, but yeah, that's going away again this season too. So there's all sorts of things here where they're trying to drive supporters to the turnstiles, and I I, I fully support that. But I just hope that, that Sky provide more com- comprehensive coverage than they have been. I mean, it's one thing, you know, enticing supporters to go to games, but when supporters can't get tickets for games mm-hmm. and also can't watch it in the telly, it kind of loses a bit of its appeal. Yep. And I'm not I'm not having a dig at some of the other clubs in Scotland because, as I said on the, on the video the other day, you know, they're perfectly entitled to, to do what they want. Um, it's their stadium. We can do what we want at Celtic Park. They can do what they, they want. So... Um, and it's not as if Celtic aren't getting some sort of an allocation for, for all of these games, but it's just, um, as I say, it's the most Scottish thing ever to have fans who want to go to games, are keen to go and can't go and can't even watch it on telly. But we'll, uh, we'll wait and see what Sky do with that. Um, Champions League is is going to be over before we know it. I mean, it's, it's crazy when you look at these fixtures. People may or may not be aware, you've already kind of touched on this, the fact that the World Cup is on end of November means that well, basically, the whole first half of the season is condensed about a month. Um, a month condensed, and and UEFA's fixtures are the same. So you're basically looking at kind of back to back weeks for a lot of the Champions League. Um, a lot like the COVID season, season before last, it was like that because obviously it started much later. This is obviously needs to finish much earlier. So again, for the third time, I'll just put this uh, graphic up because it just kind of brings it home. I think because um, usually you would have. Between, I think you'd have two weeks between Champions League fixtures, and then you'd have three, and then back to two. Whereas this time, you're talking sixth and seventh, Champions League one, a week later, Champions League two, then you've got a few week break, and then you've got just one week break, and then just one week break between five and six at the end. So it's going to be rapid fire Champions League matches. A real chance, I suppose, to, to keep momentum and, and build momentum in that as well. But equally, if you don't get a few results early on, you could be out of it before you even realise. Well, it's just it's a good thing that our Champions League campaign is going to last until next May, Hamish. So, um, not yep. to worry about that. And in all seriousness, like it is going to it's going to go by in a, in a blink of an eye, and, and Celtic need to be prepared, you know, to hit that and and hit it hard. I think you know the other thing to consider that we've not mentioned is there is another international break in September. Um, unfortunately for people who don't who don't like that kind of thing, but there's a another Nations League break in September, so there will be a little bit of a gap in Celtic matches. Um, but that just condenses it all into an even busier period for the club. As I say, it's a game every four ga- a game every four days um, between the end of July and uh, that break in November, where where Celtic have a, I think it's a five week break. They break up on the twelfth of November, and I think they come back on something like the the fifteenth of December. I know it's the day before the World Cup final, so we better hope that Japan don't get to the to the final. <laughs> Or Croatia, probably. They're probably or the real Croatia, worry, yeah. um, given the way they've been playing lately. Um, what are you all thinking, then, of the, the fixtures? Let us know in the, the comments. And if there's anything interesting, anything you want us to try and explain, we can do our best. Any fixtures that, that jump out to you? Um, we, we've posted all of these. I think I've posted them in my Twitter. They're probably in the 67 Hail Hail as well. So you can have a look there and let us know. Um, 
Yesterday, John, I, I touched on the, the messaging coming out of Celtic and we had the Callum McGregor interview, uh, I think that was done prior to yesterday, but aired yesterday on, on Sky Sports. We had the Rio Hitati journal that he wrote in Japan. We've obviously had all of the, the stuff coming from Ange basically since Trophy Day, you know, we don't stop, bigger, better, all of that stuff. What Again, you've kind of touched on this already. What, what do you make of, of, of this from Celtic? It, it really does feel, like we said last week, like this is the start of something special for Celtic. We're, we're not just continuing on really from last season. It's almost like this is the moment when, when everyone starts. I do. I just, I, I said it before, but the big word for me is control. I just feel like Celtic are very well positioned and I think they're in a position where they don't have to scramble and they don't have to panic. Um, and I think we've seen that in years gone by. And I do think this is a more measured, it's a more meticulous summer under Ange Postecoglou. And I know he's, he's, he's said words like that in the past, that he, he likes to take his time to make decisions and do things and sign players and add to his backroom staff. I mean, I think he's got the room to do that this summer where he didn't last summer. And I think... If, if, if anyone's seen his, his interview on Sky Sports yesterday, which was recorded before he went on his holiday, but if anyone's seen his interview on Sky Sports, he almost admitted that last last summer was was crazy and, and that last summer was a bit chaotic. He, I mean, he didn't say that, I'm paraphrasing, but reading between the lines of what he said, he almost admitted that it was just a situation that wasn't good for various reasons, outside of Celtic's control, some of it within Celtic's control, all of it without Andrew's control. Um, but he, he, last year he wanted to present himself as a man who wasn't phased by it, even if he was phased by it, if you know what I mean. So, as uh, uh, you know, although he was finding it difficult last summer, he presented himself as a man who wasn't finding it difficult because he, he said he felt that that's what supporters needed. I think this year it's a lot, it's, it's not easy, it's never easy being a manager of Celtic. Um, but it's a lot more comfortable, shall we say, for, for Ange Postecoglou at the moment. And that's the sense I'm getting off of him. That's the sense I'm getting off the players. I feel like they've they've all got individual goals now. They've all got group goals. It feels like everyone's driving towards something. And that's what I took from that Hatate journal or blog post or whatever you want to call it, was he's got his own individual goals next season that will help Celtic along the way. And he was very honest and very introspective and you, you start to understand why Ange was at pains to to emphasise the differences between the Japanese players and not to all lump them into the same box. Because I do think they're all very different. I mean, I think, the, you know, Kyogo's almost born to be a star. He relishes the limelight. You know, Daisa Maeda comes across as a real family man. And Hitati, to me, comes across as a player who wants to reach the very top of the game, almost, you know, an elite level, almost beyond Celtic. But obviously, the Champions League is an elite level. And he's got that introspection that you need. He's got that kind of self-awareness that you need to do that and to improve yourself. He, you know, but he's not he's not unconfident with it. You know, he's not he's not insecure. I would say he's very confident of his ability, but he knows he can do more. And I thought that that article was very interesting, very honest, and not the kind of thing you see from footballers in this country who come from this footballing culture. I don't think you, you know Callum McGregor's maybe an exception, but I don't think you'd see. You know, that kind of article come from a David Turnbull or an Anthony Ralston, for example. But Hitati's yeah. different. He's got he's you know, he's got a different mindset. And it's great to see. Sorry, I went I went yeah. a bit off topic there, Hamish, but my, my point is like the messaging of Celtic this summer is all about being in control and being in control of Celtic's destiny going forward, not panicking, not kind of being 
um, rushed into timelines that we, we don't want to be rushed into. It feels very, very comfortable and confident at the moment. Do, do you think when, when on Trophy Day, when we lifted the trophy and, and all of the, the celebrations died down, or I, I don't know if Andrew would have seen the players after that or if that would have been the last time, do you, what, what do you think the final message was from Ange? Do you think it was, you know, we've done well here, but we come back next season and we do better? Because I, I think it's it's almost certainty that he, he would have said that to the players. And, and that in itself is is something we maybe wouldn't have had with, with you know, previous squads and previous managers. Yeah, I think his message would have been, enjoy yourself because we're going to come back and we're going to try doing even more. And it's an almost guarantee that he said that. Something along those lines, probably... Um, a little bit more insp- inspirational than ourselves but definitely that message was we're going to come back over the summer break we're going to have a real crack at more trophy and and we're going to run into the wall of this Champions League I mean we really are just going to go for it um, and I, I don't know if it's going to come off it could blow up spectacularly in our faces but Celtic are going to run 100 miles an hour at that, those six Champions League game I can't you know I can't wait for it because I'd really just think um that Ange has been building towards us for his entire life, it feels like. You know, we know the Ange story by now. I don't need to go over it. Um, but really, truly, Ange has always, always, since he was a little boy, wanted to test himself at the highest level of European competition. And he's going to do it with Celtic this season. And I think we should be right there behind him, you know, pushing him towards that. I think there's a fair chance that we we lose a few games in that Champions League, but we still come away feeling pretty good about ourselves because it's... I mean, I, I loved beating Barca. It was amazing, um, even though we didn't do it in a particularly attacking way. We've had other great results under managers where we maybe were a little bit more conservative. But I think it's going to be fascinating to see Celtic take on these major teams in Europe, especially at Celtic Park with that crowd behind us. I think it's going to be... I mean, we the thing is, we, just, we, we, we don't think we actually know how good this Celtic team are yet because... They've looked great, and you know, domestically, and, and won the league with with that brilliant form. But against a, a real high caliber of opposition, it's it's very different. And I think it's just going to be it's going to be fascinating, and it's it's a game that fans can get into as well. That the atmosphere is going to be amazing because the support are just going to react to to Celtic taking on these teams. I mean, we support Celtic. We are the biggest club in the country, and and we're used to attacking teams. And beating teams no matter who they are and I think that just that extending to Europe is just perfect and just just the the perfect perfect manager to take us into the Champions League and it it, it might not be it might not be great at times I I think there's a fair chance we maybe get a scudding at, at, at some stage but that's what happens in Europe and um, I just think it's going to be amazing to to see these players just going out fearless um, against the, the best teams in Europe it's uh, just like you, I, I can't wait for it. And just knowing we have all these important league games around it as well, the league matters as much this season, this coming season, as, as it did last season. It's not as if the Champions League is all that matters now. It's just in the Cups as well. It's just fascinating. Can't wait. It's going to be really good. And I think, the one, you know, you say you fear a scudder, and, and I, get, I get it, I get it. But I just think this Celtic team under Ange, they're going to be doing everything in their power to make sure that they're not just a team that turned up. You know, when you're a pot four team in the Champions League, you can almost get that mentality is that, you know, we're, we're kind of making up the numbers here. But I really, truly think that they're going to be given everything they can to, to prove that that's not the case. 
And again, as I say, it might not come off. <laughs> um, and the odds are against us, against some of these teams. But I, I just I'm, I'm thrilled that we're going to see a Celtic team really give it their all in that regard again. I mean, I mean, even under Rodgers, we had those nights. I mean, I know we didn't beat Man City, but we had that 3-3 yeah. That's game. the one I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. That's the one that comes to my mind, taking the game to a brilliant team. Yeah. Yeah, we had that 3-3 game against Man City and it was a draw. But that was, you know, I, I loved that night. I mean, that mm. was a thrilling, joyous, you know. You felt proud, it, didn't you? Yeah, you felt proud. It was just incredible to see Celtic compete at that level. Um, and there's no guarantees at that level. I'm not saying Celtic are going to, you know, get nine points from the home games this year because probably won't. And we might not, you yeah. know, we might not. Um, but I'm just, I'm so excited to see Celtic at least try to reach that level again. And that's that's what it's all about. You know, as we say, you know, Celtic fans really value European competition. You know, we've had our struggles in, in recent years and especially in the knockout rounds, as, as people like to remind us. But I'm no less excited for Europe now than, than I was, you know, five years ago. Yeah, massively exciting. Um, just briefly, the uh, kind of key dates pre-World Cup. We've obviously got our Austria training camp in early July. That first pre-season match a few days later. We'll play another one in Austria before going over to the Czech Republic to play Banik Ostrava. We've got Flag Day. The Champions League draw, as you say, isn't until the 25th of August. We've got the League Cup in there. The summer window isn't closing until the end of August. That Derby Champions League opener and then obviously the World Cup, it's, it's going to be a brilliant few months. Is there anything there you're, I mean, I guess you've already answered this five minutes ago or two minutes ago, but what are you looking forward to most out of there, maybe other than the Champions League? I mean, I, I, I really like pre-season. I know people hate pre-season games, but I really like them. I like seeing fringe players in the squad. I like seeing the, the group work up to something. I like just seeing Celtic back in action again. I always find real exciting in that first pre-season week. Um you know, other than that, it's, it's all about that Champions League draw and all about those league fixtures for me. I mean, the, the cup is one thing, and, and hopefully we, we manage to do well in the League Cup again. Um, but I'm, I'm just incredibly, um, I'm buoyant, Hamish. I'm in a good mood today. If you if you haven't noticed, I'm in a good mood today, um, and it's because the fixtures have come out. It's because we know there's certainty in terms of you know the matches around the Champions League game. It's because we can see the season unfolding in front of us. Um, and I, as I said, and I've said countless times, just think Celtic are in a really great position to, to have another great year. Brilliant. Uh, Euro, uh, your latest for Optus, mm-hmm. uh, came out earlier today. I've linked it in the description. It was more just a kind of overview on what's been happening at Celtic <laughs> for for the Aussies, basically, wasn't it? But anyone can read it. Yeah, anyone can read it. Yeah, uh, sometimes I go to them with an idea. Sometimes they task me with something. And I was asked to basically do a transfer roundup of Celtic over the last couple of weeks. So, Covered Cameron Carter Vickers, um, co- covered like the two main links at the moment, which I think are the Vinicius Souza um, of Lomel, as you pronounced it on yesterday's video, thankfully for me, who has never said that word out loud until just there. Um, and Alexandro Bernabe of, of Lanus in Argentina. Um, Lanus. Lanus, sorry, mm-hmm. Lanus. Um, so th- those are the two main links at the moment, um, as well as Benjamin Segrist as a kind of goalkeeper backup. But and, and some people get very bent out of shape about goalkeepers, Hamish. Some people get very get very bent out of shape about goalkeeping backup, despite the fact that the player will probably play less than three games for Celtic over the course of the entire season. Um, so I'm happy with the Seagrees thing coming in, um, and I'm happy with the links to those two players. I think they look like two exciting players. I know 
I know Vinicius says that it feels like there's a lot of work to be done to, to get that player over the line. Um, but I think he looks like the kind of exciting midfielder that we're wanting as that kind of deep line player in Angela's midfield. A player who has just incredible output when it comes to defensive, getting involved in defensive tussles and duels, but also, you know, couples that with really exciting forward play in terms of dribbling and progressive passing. And, and likewise, for, for the left-back Bernabe, I think he looks like a, a good fit for that left flank. So I'm excited about the kind of South American flavour to all that and and what's going to happen over the coming weeks. I think we have reason to be excited about transfers. I know we've got Cam and Carter Vickers over the line, but I think Jota's in the pipeline too. I don't think there's any reason to be panicky about that at the moment. Um, it's all heading... I mean, I don't want to go on and on, but... I mean, I really do sound like a, a propagandist here, but I really am genuinely looking forward to what's coming ahead over the next few weeks and months. The new signings are what makes pre-season, doesn't it? You can't beat that buzz of seeing the new signing in action. Are they any good? Are they Marion fed? I guess we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll find out. But um, uh, we got the, the, the comments have been in fire today. The live chat's been good today. There was nice. someone saying we're, we're both slowly turning into look like Ange which I take as a massive compliment. So we'll see where we are in a year's time. Uh, I don't know who said that. And the other one I was laughing at there was Edward saying we should sign Andrew Redmayne on loan, the grey wiggle. Wouldn't that be class as a backup keeper? He could do uh, yeah. his death wiggling. Um, what a character. I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I, know, I you know, love it. I was almost hesitant to see when it was unfolding and, and Graham Arnold made that call. Like I was very trying to hold back from not saying anything too cynical on social media, etc. before the penalty shit would happen. But I was very dubious about all that. I was very dubious about Graham Arnold putting on that goalkeeper. And then I was even more dubious when he was dancing on that touchline. I just didn't see it coming off. It didn't seem like it was written in the stars. Um, but uh, fair, <laughs> fair play to him. I mean, he's made himself a hero. He threw the bottle away of the instructions. He got up to all sorts of nonsense. Um, I would love to see that in a World Cup. I think that would make uh, incredible headlines around the world. Um, but you're right about the transfer exception. I mean, it's all about new signings. It's all about all that good yeah. stuff. And I, I'm not snobby about a transfer rumor, as you know, Hamish. I love a ha I love a transfer rumor. I think it, it tides over the time between matches superbly for me, and um, personally, but also professionally. And um, so I'm 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 into all the transfer uh, nonsense. Yeah, and we're going to have plenty of nonsense, I think, over the, the next weeks until the window shuts. Right, we'll leave it there, John. People can read more from you and the rest of the team on 67heelheel.com. As far as we're concerned and I'm concerned, I'll be back tomorrow um, with the, the Saturday video, probably about lunchtime. And, yeah, hopefully we've got some uh, signing news over the next week or so and then really get us going for the new season. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in today and I'll speak to you tomorrow.